The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Storytelling inspires, engages, and moves people to action. It's a superpower that anyone can learn. Welcome to Story Powered with your host, Leanne Pico. Stories can hold you back, and stories can move you forward. Let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level. Now, here is Leanne Pico. Welcome to Story Powered. I'm Leanne Pico, your host. Thanks so much for joining us today. So today's topic is pretty cool. We haven't covered it before, so I'm really excited to talk about something I haven't talked about before and to learn something new. I'm always good to learn something new. That's why I do this show. So uh, we're going to be talking about bringing the human connection to IT. I know some of you are going, what? Um, but it's a, it's a really cool thing. I mean, for any of us who, and you know, for IT folks, stay tuned, man, because this is going to be so cool for you in terms of using story to create great human connections. And then, you know, for the rest of us who are um, wanting to figure out how to communicate better, there's lots of great learning here for us too. Because, you know, a lot of us sometimes get a little caught in the facts and the data and and I love technology and I can get caught there too. So lots of good learning today. Um, And when we think about it, IT departments are now at the leading edge of lots of change and as our guest calls it, digital transformation. And so when you're in charge of or when you're part of change related to technology, it's really crucial you bring everybody else with you. So we're going to talk a lot today about how to communicate with story and use it to be able to um, share not only things around transformation, but also getting buy-in from the beginning in terms of developing great relationships. So today we're going to be chatting with Patricia McMillan about this. And Patricia has just published a book called Make It Matter. And um, we're going to talk about that too, because it's, it's, it's a book geared to IT professionals, but as I said, lots of helpful stuff for people in any profession and one of the clearest write-ups of story um, that I've seen. So I really enjoyed it and I know you will too. So now, just before that, I wanted to remind you that the Story Powered Institute is going through a few changes. It's um, getting some updating in the back end and it's going to be launched again on February 1st. Uh, We're going to be introducing some forums and have lots more pe- resources for people to access. Already the content has gotten a little out of control because there's so much good stuff around stories. So um, just working on it this week and we'll be launching it next week. And just a reminder, you can be my story friend for free. Absolutely. There's paid membership too, but you know, if you just want to be friends first, let's be friends. So you can check that out at storypower.institute. So be- without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Patricia. So Patricia McMillan helps CIOs, so that's chief information officers, and digital strategists use the power of stories to craft strategic narratives that resonate, engage their teams and their customers with the transformation, and demonstrate the impact and value of their work. She is the author of Make It Matter, The Surprising Secret for Leading Digital Transformation, and you can find out more about her at patriciamcmillan.com. Welcome, Patricia. Thanks, Leanne. It's great to be here. 
So nice to get to talk to you in person. So tell us, what's your story? Why do you love story? What's, what have you been up to in your career? Well, I like to view myself as being part of a bigger story because I find that this is something that helps to keep me focused and it helps make my life more fun and interesting. Now, I view myself as being on an epic quest. I love it. Yes. (laughs) This quest is to transform soul-sapping work into work that fires the imagination. Oh, nice. And... uh, like, like any kind of quest, there's a bit of a backstory to this. Um, and uh, one of them is that I had a really dear friend, and we'll call him Paul. And Paul was a charismatic, larger-than-life person. Everybody was drawn to him. Everybody loved him. And he loved pretty much everything about his life, except he hated his job. So he loved his his family, he loved his friends, he had interests outside of work that he loved, but he hated his job. And he was uh, he was living from weekend to weekend and from vacation to vacation, and he was literally counting down the days to his retirement when he was still in his 30s and 40s. So there were still wow. lots of days in his countdown, except that... Um, A few years ago, Paul was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and three months later, he died. And I still miss him very much, and all of the other people who loved him miss him, too. And uh, when I think about him, the other thing that makes me sad, in addition to missing him, is that he spent all that time at work hating his job. What a waste that was. What a waste that was for him. And what a waste it was for his employer, because even though he worked very hard at his job, if you're not engaged in what you're doing, then obviously you're not giving the best to it. And what a waste it was for the whole world, because he was a person of great talent and great potential. And and I asked myself, what kinds of things could he have done in that time instead of slogging away at a job that he hated? And I see this in people around me everywhere, and sometimes I felt this way myself. And so that's that's what my quest is about. It's how it's a it's a question that drives me. It's how can we change this? How can we transform this this soul sapping work into something that, that fires the imagination and something that we all enjoy. Thank you, Patricia. Well, first of all, I wanted to say I'm sorry about the loss of your friend. He sounds like a great guy. And it is such a shame. And you're totally right. I'm, I'm with you. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that quest, too, because I, I find it sad, um, you know, well, hearing stories like that where, you know, somebody who is has so much life um, is almost kind of, I don't know, like held down by their job for so much. And I see a lot of people, like you say, waiting for retirement. And and a lot of us don't make it there. Uh, it's a long time to wait to have a great life. And um, so, you know, I totally, I'm totally with you on that. And I also think that you're right. I, we don't need to do that. We don't, we, there's too much time wasted 
uh, both personally and also for the businesses um, with people who hate their work. And, and, and you said it in your book, and I've also um, done some work on this around the engagement numbers around the world are just ridiculous. I mean, something like 24% of people are actually engaged. That's it, I think, right? Is it something like that? That's, that's right. Only about um, in the U.S. and Canada, in, in Australia and New Zealand, that's, that's around the figure. I think it's 24%. Yeah. In Australia and New Zealand, it's a little higher. In U.S. and Canada, it's about 29% of people who are um, engaged in their work. And worldwide, it's only about 13%. So that means that there's at least least 71% of people out there who are just kind you know, they might be working hard. They probably are working hard. But in, in one way, I think they're just going through the motions. I, yeah. I, I think what it means is that people are kind of living two separate lives. Yeah. They've got yeah. this one self that goes off to the morning, is off to work in the morning and, and does their work. Um, and maybe they're just kind of going through the motions for that, even if they're working, even if they're working really hard. Yeah. Um, but they don't maybe care that much about it. It's kind of a way to earn a living. Yeah. And then I think everybody has this secret self, this secret part of themselves that's interested in lots of other things, and they hide that from their office self, and they kind of leave it at the door when they walk it into the, into the office, yeah. and they pick yeah. it up again when they go home. It's kind of like leaving themselves at daycare while they go off to work. <laughs> Yeah, it's true, though. And, and, you know, the industrial age has has created that it's it's, um, you know, it's long been uh, expected of people not to bring their personality or their feelings or their moods or anything like that to work. It doesn't mean people don't. But when the kind of status quo is, you know, don't use the word feel. Um, it's hard for people. But I also think that, um, you know, one of the soul destroying parts of it is, is we go and do that for money. That's all like, you know, all those hours just to get money. And I know money's important. But, <laughs> you know, I, I think that's why people make a lot of their choices, because it's, um, it's about more money, they think they won't make as much doing something they love. That's right. Or, the, you know, they're, they're frightened about it. I did yeah. this for a big part of my working life, too. I, I majored in mathematics as an undergraduate. Right. And then I went to work in information technology. And I loved information technology because it was always, there was always something new and something kind of cool. And I got to work with great people and I got to do interesting things. So for a lot of the time, I would have put myself in that engaged category on, on the survey. But at the same time, there was always this kind of secret hidden part of me that loved stories and creativity mm. a lot more than anything that I was doing at the office because right. stories were my, they were my first love. I was born in a little town in central Ohio. I live in Sydney, Australia now. I've lived in Australia for uh, about 18 years, but I was born in the United States. I was born in little Mount Vernon, Ohio. And um, and uh, some of my fondest childhood memories are of my my mother taking me to the library after preschool once a week. So she'd pick me up from preschool once a week. We would go to the library. Um, she'd bring whatever books we checked out the the day before, and um, I'd be allowed to check out anything that I wanted. 
And I was reading when I was four. I got my very own library card, which was a very proud moment for me, Leanne. Um, I got my own library card when I was five. I couldn't even see over the counter, but <laughs> I felt like that card was my yeah. passport to everything in the library. And ever since nice. then, I've just I've been fascinated by stories for my whole life. And so, it, while I was working in IT, I felt like I had this secret life that was that was more about the thing that was really me, which was which was about stories. And this, this drive kept getting getting stronger and it is a scary thing. It's a it's an amazingly scary thing to kind of take that leap from your safe, comfortable thing that you're doing that earns a good living. Um, but I finally worked up the courage to do that and now I try to bring these kind these kind of two lives together. Um nice the IT world with story and narrative and 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 look exploring this question about how we can help people find joy and satisfaction in their work again by bringing their work life together with their secret imaginative life as well. I love it. And you know what you just um uh, made a connection for me about which is that um you know when we go to work and leave our personalities at the door and um you know aren't human in a way. Um, but then what do we do when we leave work and go to the weekends? People watch loads of TV. We read books, yep. like we immerse ourselves in story, almost to get away from the impersonal place of work. So it's a really intriguing idea to think about if people were to um, become more human and use story in the workplace, they would be more engaged because that's what they're actually going and using their time for outside of work. Isn't that interesting? It is. It's, it's fascinating. I think, you know, humans have always been, story is just a part of who we are as, as yeah. humans. And, and, and some people believe that it's one of the defining characteristics about who we are mm-hmm. as as humans, I was reading this great book over Christmas by um, Yuval Harari, and the book is called *Sapiens*. And if you oh, have nice. a chance to read it, I really recommend it. It's called *Sapiens*, and it's about um, it's about the history of humankind. And one of the things that he says in this book is that the thing that makes Homo sapiens different from every other species that has been is our ability to imagine something mm-hmm. that is not actually there. And that mm-hmm. is what has allowed us to create all of our institutions. It's what's allowed us to collaborate and work together in large groups. Um, is just our ability to imagine things that aren't there, and we embody that through stories. Oh, that's wonderful. And even we can imagine, you know, when we use stories personally about our futures, um, but professionally too, like, um, you know, I always, you know, even though we're talking about um, workplaces being often, not always, so just to say that to everybody, you know, some organizations are working really hard to create a better culture. But um, the funny thing is, and we'll talk a little bit later about some of the stuff that you you talk about which is you you call them shadow stories which I really love but um, these organizations that think that people are not you know are leaving that that humanness at the door they're not it's just that they sneak their stories in other ways 
and you can't see them and so you don't know what they are. And often, unfortunately, they're water cooler negative stories or they're stories about that department over there or that person. They might be, um, as you talked about, like mental models, internal stories about people. And so the challenge is that, um, so although that we talk about, you know, being professional and things like that, there's often very unprofessional behavior because people's stories are like eking out. <laughs> they're, they're wanting to tell stories anyway, right? That's right. We can't help it. We yeah. cannot help um, but make sense and meaning out of everything that happens around us by yeah. telling ourselves stories, by telling other people stories about it. And so in the office, there'll often be the official story about, um, you know, this is what we're doing and this, these are what our values are and this is our mission and our vision and this is our plan and this is what's happening. Um, but if people don't feel aligned with that, if they don't feel that it's, that it's congruent, then there's all kinds of other stories that they that they wind up telling about it, and uh, yeah, I call those I call those shadow stories. Yeah. stories and that, that creates a poisonous workplace. Then, like it actively attacks productivity, it attacks collaboration. It's it actually um, turns on its head quickly, right? Exactly, exactly. They spread they spread like wildfire. These these you know these negative stories. People might. Uh, people might say, "I have no idea what that means," and and I don't I don't trust I don't trust them because last time um, they've been they've been saying this over and over again for the last three years, but actually nothing ever changes, and so I don't believe anything really is going to change this time. Um, they they they'll have all kinds of negative things that they might say. Yeah. Yeah, and and I was just thinking, and you mentioned it in your book as well that that you have the that quarter or third of people who are engaged, but you also have almost a third of people who are actively disengaged, and that might be fifteen, twenty percent, or you know, it might not be as high as a third, but you have a group of people who are actively disengaged who are telling those stories, and as an organization, if you don't have more positive, engaging stories to enable those who are engaged or who are somewhat engaged to grab onto those, that group sometimes has a real impact, I think. Exactly. Exactly. So the, you know, you, the only way to change a negative story is to replace it with, with mm-hmm. more positive ones. But people have to actually have to believe the positive ones. That has are to be real. Otherwise, yeah. the, the negative ones are the ones that gain currency. But sometimes, you know, we're not that good at telling our our positive stories, our real authentic positive stories either. This might be more of an issue in Australia than perhaps it is in the United States. Um, but but sometimes there's a tendency to think uh, if if I'm doing good work, then People will people will know, and I shouldn't blow my own trumpet. I shouldn't toot yeah. my own horn. I, you know, I shouldn't I, I shouldn't uh, tell people about it. They'll they'll just see it, and and they'll know. But actually, actually, they they don't. Um, and telling actual real stories about the positive things that are happening is is a great way to counter this. And I think that um, at least in Australia, we don't tell them enough. Yeah, we're similar in Canada. Lots of humility and. And again, that's a nice quality, but 
um, yeah, it actually means that uh, we're not able to see the positive. So that's, mm. thank you, Patricia. That's awesome. We're going to have a little break now. So because um, we've, uh, I'm, I'm excited to start digging into talking about the world of IT and how stories can be used there. So we're going to talk about that after the break. Um, so don't forget to come and hang out with me at storypower.institute. Be my story friend. Come on. We're going to take a break. And I am Liam Pico, and you're listening to Story Powered on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll be back in just a second. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. My guest this week was Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Clinton, Mr. Henry Cisneros, who'll be here to talk about 13 trends which make investing in real estate in urban centers a sure bet. Don't miss Henry Cisneros this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hello, welcome back to Story Power with me, your host, Leanne Pico. I'm chatting today with Patricia McMillan, author of Make It Matter. You can find Patricia's book on Amazon, or you can look Patricia up at patriciamcmillan.com. Lots of great information in her book for IT professionals, but for anybody else, really. Um, before the break, we were talking about, actually, one of my favorite subjects, and I could have gone on for hours, and we, we may still do that, um, which is about creating better workplaces and using story to... Um, make places of work more human and more, um, personally, I think more fun, um, but also more engaging, just places where people want to be. Because sometimes people, uh, I hear people say, you know what, I don't mind the job, it's the people, right? I don't mind the job, it's the politics. And so there's a real thing about, it may not even be that you need to change your job, but it may be just that the the um, culture of the organization needs to shift and we can use story to do that. So today, though, we're talking about something in particular, which I'm intrigued by. So, um, Patricia, tell us what the world of IT is like. I know I have my kind of, um, uh, you know, there's lot, not my own, but there's lots of kind of uh, stereotypes about IT departments. Yeah, there are. Let's, can, can, we, can we have a little bit of fun and, uh, and bring out what maybe some of those are? What are some stereotypes that you've heard about people in IT yeah. in the end? Let's do it. Okay. Not just heard about. Okay. 
Okay, sometimes, and and this is overblown probably, so I'm protecting myself. I'm going to get out of the way of myself. Um, Social skills. (laughs) (laughs) So the ability to talk to people. We're entering into here. These are these these views oh, are not necessarily the views of Leanne Pika. These are these are uh, these are things you may have heard from other people. Don't send your complaints. <laughs> but it's a big one, like the help desk. Oh my god! Like it's just um, and again, it's it's become it's funny because I say this, but you know, I think there's merit to it. But it's also become a bit of a, a kind of a growing. Um, stereotype that we have of of folks in IT that somehow they don't have social skills. <laughs> so I'm going to put it over to you now, Patricia. <laughs> and you've probably seen the Big Bang Theory and the IT crowd, you and bet. you know you, you can those guys. And... <laughs> so, so, so um, is there merit? So what? Is, so, so people in IT don't have social skills. What what are they like? Well, um, you know, talk a different language altogether. Um, mm. Think it might be English, but not sure, because it sounds from an alien planet sometimes. Um, for to the rest of us who are not um, gifted enough to speak the language, um, I think really actually it's communication. It is communication skills and being able to break down what are quite um, sometimes really complex ideas into people speak. Yeah, that's right. Because this is not just a thing about IT. This is a thing oh. about anybody who's an expert in any kind of field. I mean, you and I talking about story in some ways are talking a language that people who are not quite as excited about story as we are um, just don't get. And Never. so so we have <laughs> to try to break that down as well and communicate it to other people. But it can be particularly difficult for fields like IT, which have a lot of um, expert language. They they might have a lot of jargon, a lot of complex things that they're talking about. It does, it, it makes it difficult for them. But there's there are, you know, some, some stereotypes have some truth in them, and some of the IT stereotypes do have some and truth in them as well. I'll tell you about the thing that, because I worked in IT for a long time, almost 20 years, and the thing that initially captured my imagination that made me want to work in IT when I was starting my career around 1994, and that thing was the Internet. So this was just the beginning of the time when the Internet and the World Wide Web were starting to be used by people outside of research and academia. Because the Internet's been around in some form since about 1969. But it took until the early 90s and, and Tim Berners-Lee and the World Wide Web before people really, other people really started using it. Right. And the thing about it that I found so amazing was that suddenly anybody, anywhere, anytime could publish anything they wanted to to the entire world. And we do this all the time now without even thinking about it. Usually several times a day we, we tweet on Twitter, we post on Facebook, um, and the whole world can see what we put out there. But we forget that 20 years ago, 
that was a completely revolutionary concept. And, and it really excited me. And that's why I wanted to work in IT. And I think most people who work in IT, there were, there was some moment like that for them, that there was just something kind of exciting that captured their imagination about it and made them want to learn and, and discover more. Nice. Um, I, I think that's a really right good, now, um, sorry, I, I just, I just think that's ahead, a really, like yeah, that's a great summary and a great kind of, um, piece there. Cause as you talk that I, and I, I will, you know, say that I, I'm not, um, a big user of the stereotypes cause I'm actually a bit of a tech geek myself. I'm not as, um, I love the, I, I love doing my own websites and learning new technology. And I love the things that technology can help me do. I think that, you've just hit on something for me, which is I think that often our experience of IT folk and some of those stereotypes and things are from a place of fear. Um, because in actual fact, you're right, like people in IT, like they're the change makers. They are the ones and moving fast in terms of mm. making life different for us. Um, because I do remember I went to England in, in 91 and I had to write letters um, and and when I came back from England to Canada, I'm on Facebook with people. I email them. Like it, it's completely different within 20 years how we can communicate with people, and that's technology. Very different, isn't it? Yeah, and that's IT people. So they must have some really good social skills in terms of you know what I mean, like in terms of being able to bring about change. Um, but that's maybe right. the communication, the it's the communication, right? Like that's the piece, and that's the bit that I love with your. Your um, your book is kind of marrying um, that kind of high technical or the, you know, being a, a, an expert. And like you said, it could be an, an accountant, could be anyone technical in any kind of technical field that has jargon and things that don't necessarily come out in day-to-day life. How do you, um, so, cause, so when we talk about IT and we talk about story together, I'm not sure how, and, I, and again, I'd love to hear, this is what I, why I wanted to talk to you, because I love, love the idea of bringing story into the world of IT. And I'm just wondering, how do you do it? Well, I think like with anything, um, you, the important thing is when I speak with CIOs and digital strategies, the important thing is to show that I understand some places where they are feeling some pain. Right. And to then to illuminate how stories can be part of a solution to address that pain. So, for example, they know that they are feeling pain when they have to stand up and give a presentation or right. maybe they release a document that is about their new digital transformation strategy. And they're, they're standing up there, they're going through the slides, they're pointing at all the diagrams, they're using words like cloud first and mobile first and, 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 and transformation and disruption. And people are just staring at them like they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. And so, um, they, they know, and I know this, you know, they, yeah. you can yep. tell they're the ones. standing up they're there the ones talking with people. You know it. when people are getting it or when people are not getting it. Yeah. And, and so they know that they're feeling some pain about this. 
Um, and it means that their ideas don't gain traction. It means that they're not able to be as effective. And it means that even if they go ahead with this transformation journey, every step of it is going to be like wading chest deep through molasses. <laughs> and that's one of the pain points that story, of course, can help with by helping them to just be more human and make and find some common ground with people and make that human connection that lets people trust them. Nice, and nice. a story framework for understanding this idea of inspiring change and what it, what it is that people need in order to to be inspired about something, the meaning behind things that that they need to have a story that they can they can buy into to be to be inspired by things. So that's nice. certainly yeah, one that's way. great. Now, okay, so I jumped into the how quick because I was just really um, intrigued, but I think I skipped a step, which is let and we can talk about maybe the practical in the last segment, the practical how, and and particularly maybe you can give some hints and tips to IT leaders and, and department heads and, and folks like that, but. Let's go back a bit too, because you've just hit on the the kind of being inspired. Like, why is story, why is story, something that could be used in IT? Why is it a good tool for IT leaders? Yep. Because you talk um, about pain points, and I can see the pain points for sure, and especially with yep. you know presentations. But but within a department, why is story such a crucial tool for them? Do you think? Yep. Um, we we kind of hinted at this a little bit before when we talked about um, digital disruption and digital transformation mm-hmm. because um, IT has always been interesting, but I think right now it's really amazing because it's at the forefront of transforming the way we do absolutely everything. IT is embedded in everything that we do, and it's the way that everything we do is making a difference. It's in medicine, it's in all kinds of science, it's in business, it's in city planning, agriculture, education, it's in the humanities. Um, there's, there's a few drivers that are causing this. One of them is what we call digital disruption. And basically, that just means that, that information technology is changing business models of, of how we do everything. And some familiar ways to think about this are the way that Uber, for example, has been changing the way that um, people think about taxis. Mm-hmm. And Airbnb has been changing the way that people think about hotels because it gives them much more options. It's able to connect them to uh, to services in a way that they never have been able to be directly connected with them before. It's changing um, one that that I worked in a lot, which is universities. And universities are things like if you think about Oxford University and the University of Bologna, for example, these these are institutions that fundamentally have not changed in hundreds and hundreds of years. And, and suddenly, they are changing because they have to, because customers have choices now that they didn't have before. You can be anywhere in the world, and you can study through any provider that you want to study through, and, and sometimes for free, sometimes learn from some of the, the top experts in the world. And so universities are having to learn how to adjust how to adjust themselves and how to adjust their business models for this, right. but they're not alone. Everybody is. 
Um, and then Huge. another one is automation and smart machines. So um, this means that all kinds of tasks that used to require people to do them are no longer requiring people to do them. And these are, these are things, I mean, driverless cars are big in the news lately, but um, even things like medicine, uh, it might not be very long before your, your GP is a robot because um, machines, we're, we're able to make machines much smarter and, and able to do different things. And then an, another driver is the Internet of Things, which just means that, that all kinds of objects are interconnected through sensor networks and through little um, uh, intelligent chips in right. objects, which means pretty much everything can talk to everything else. So there's all these kinds of amazing changes, just like when I was starting my career and I was, I was blown away by the idea of the Internet. There's all these, these other things now that are coming along that are blowing people away and changing everything. But what this means for IT is that um, they're suddenly at the forefront of organizational strategy. So it might not have been too long ago that the chief information officer and the IT department, they were just a support function or an enabling function, and they were supposed to keep things running smoothly. But that's different now because... Now, suddenly, with all these things happening and organizations having to struggle to reinvent themselves, they're in the hot seat because IT is suddenly at the forefront. It's like this little underdog, underdog hero. You know, <laughs> they're suddenly, suddenly being handed, handed the sword and said, say they have to go out there and lead the charge, and they're completely unprepared for doing this. Because right. These are not usually the things that they're used to doing. Right. And I guess that would be, uh, you know, the, we've got about a minute left to break, but I just, I think, um, you know, for me, it's it's that uh, startup versus big company thing, right? It's it's where in the in those bigger companies, those folks, like you said, would have been kind of support role. Whereas startups, a lot of the startups are tech driven, and so then the 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 CEO of the company is looking at the IT department with different eyes and kind of like, "Hello, come on over here. <laughs> we need you now." Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's it's both. It's startups and and big companies for yeah. all of them. IT is going to be a, an integral part of how they do everything, and it's becoming um, a lot more important than they might have seen that function um, five or ten years ago. Yeah, and so they need, and so story is something that they can use to engage not only, and you know, we and a lot of startups do this very well, they engage customers, and so companies, though big companies too, and startups, they both, they need to engage people internally as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Perfect. Okay. Um, well, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna take a little wee break and um, get dig into this in the in the last quarter in the last segment. No quarter. No third in the last segment. I'm I'm not very good at math, obviously. So we will be lo- talking some more about IT and about story and how they in the future and how you know Patricia's working hard with her book and also with the work that she does to enable IT leaders to connect more substantially and more effectively with with their folks um, throughout the company. So we're going to dig into the how of that. So make sure you hang out with us for a little bit longer. Um, and so remember, you can buy. Patricia's book, Make It Matter, on Amazon. 
and you can find her at patriciamcmillan.com. We'll be back soon. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at VeryGoodStories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Welcome back to Story Power. I'm Leanne Pico, your host, and I am talking today with Patricia McMillan. I am, oh, this is so fun. I'm like in a new territory. I love this because, um, you know, I hadn't really considered um, the, of course, I talk about story in organizations all the time, but I'm so glad to really focus on IT right now because it is such, you know, we talked about the stereotypes early in the show. But um, but bigger than that, what Patricia was kind of outlining before the break was this big digital transformation. And um, we were just talking in the break about maintaining our humanity in the midst of all of this transformation, disruption and change. And for me, I got very excited because I was like, you know what the thing is? It's still story. Right, Patricia? That's the thing that'll be the human thing. You bet. Yeah, it was a great conversation we had during the break. And um, I, I was telling Leanne one of my other big questions that I'm really interested in is with all of this increasing digital transformation, with automation, with the Internet of Things, everything's changing so rapidly. And we are changing ourselves as humans. And we're discovering as humans that um, we don't necessarily have the same limitations that we thought we might have, you know, we're even we're experimenting with changing our genes, for example. So um, we, we have the potential to be quite different in a few years from what we are now, and I think that that raises a huge and important question, which is uh, who do, how do we want to, what kind of people do we want to be? What do we want to shape ourselves into? Um, because we have choices about this. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's important to be aware that we have choices about this and to bring our awareness to what kind of people that we want to be, 
what are the important things about our humanity that we want to hang on to and not just allow them to be swept away um, in the deluge? What, what are the things that are really important to us? And I think because people have always shaped meaning through stories, I think stories offer a, a big clue and something that we can help to use to help us understand who we want to be and what we want to want. I think that stories can help us kind of delve into that meaning in our own lives. And, um, you know, I have a personal bias about just loving stories for their own sake. So these are something that, that I, want to, I want to make sure that we hold on to. I agree. part of being human. Absolutely. And, you know, and the thing is, is that I think that that is the piece is that we always need the humanity to drive the technology, not the other way around. Um, because today, yeah. actually today, I'm, I'm studying at the moment, I'm, I was um, uh, delving into e-learning and online learning and, and kind of um, where we are now. And originally, when online learning you know, and there are a lot of uh, places that did it well, but for a little while there, and this, and I think this is the same with technology often, and it happens in organizations a lot. We get very excited about the technology. And so we focus on the technology. We think it's the technology that is driving it. And one of the things that I was um, looking at with e-learning is that actually um, quickly people who were experiencing e-learning were like, no, it's not good. This is not good learning. And because what we did was abandon, sometimes uh, people who've put up, online courses or learning, they forget to bed it down into learning principles that actually people are still people. Even if you use technology to teach, you still need to teach with different learning styles and all of that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a really interesting question, like you say, and I'm thinking about, you know, in organizations, applying that in organizations where I've also heard about organizations and, and not, not necessarily, um, really healthy, good ones, but sometimes they're so caught up in the technology that they forget about the people. And that's the bit where it's kind of backwards, right? Yeah, (laughs) that's right. That's right. And, and, you know, that's another, that's another stereotype about IT people that they're so excited about the technology that, that they forget about the people. And that can happen, you know, because for a lot of people in IT, they are really excited about the technology just for its own sake. Um, but, um, but, but I've seen that in companies where the CEO is so worried about competition, they get really, it's not even an IT person, right? It's, it's actually the leader who kind of goes, Oh my God, we got to keep up. Like, let's do all this technological stuff. And, and sometimes other people are kind of like, wait, like we, what are you doing? Like you're taking us away from the, the point of the work. Yes. Yes, that's right. There's kind of there's kind of three different voices in there. There's kind of um, the leadership of the organization saying we have to survive. So and we you know there's competition out there, and so in order to compete, these are things we we have to do, and they involve technology. Um, then there's some other people in IT who are just saying this is cool. We love this. This is wonderful <laughs> that we can do this. And then there's the third voice in the organization that's saying, you know, kind of putting up their hands saying, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, what Wait. are we doing this for? Yeah. And they might not, and they, it, it's often a legitimate question, but sometimes it's from fear too, because it's about change. Yes. Yeah. So managing all of that. So for an IT leader who wants to, um, you know, in, utilize 
they're, um, you know, become more effective in terms of enabling some of those folks who might not get it or, or using um, the human side of things to help bridge the kind of human connection to technology. How can they do that? You talked a, a bit about pain points, but how can an IT leader um, bring story into their department? Um, I like to think about four different categories of stories, and they're all quite useful for exploring at different points in the transformation process. So the first category I like to think about is the category of who we are, I call these identity stories. And these are stories about your values, your purpose, your history. So often we're so involved in getting the job done and what we're doing that we stop, we, we don't take time to stop and reflect on who, who we are and what we really do believe in because people buy, as Simon Sinek said in his absolutely marvelous TED Talk, um, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And in order to tell people why you do it, you have to know why you do it, which means there's some exploring that you've got to do, and this is a great thing to do with your team of just um, exploring what are our values. Sometimes, you know, your values are handed down from above and they don't mean anything, but when you can get the team together and bring out some stories about when they've actually seen those values embodied, then the values take on real meaning and they, they, they understand what they mean and they understand a lot more about what their purpose is and why they are doing what they're doing. And it's that's something, great. again, that can't be handed down from above. It's something that's got to come from the people who are actually doing the work, the people who are making things happen. I like and that I think, because... Thank you. I just I wanted just to note that I really like that, that um, because the why isn't because it's there. Um, it can't be. I, I, and again, it, sometimes it is because it's, you know, with technology, we're, we keep trying new stuff and it's very fun. And But the why of, of, of using a technology or developing a technology within the business, I think is pretty crucial in terms of being able to talk about it so that people get it, both in terms of investment, but also in terms of, um, you know, not feeling like it's technology for technology's sake. That's right. That's right. And that can be, you know, we talked about those three voices in the organization before. That can be something that happens. You can start to think about technology just for its own sake. And yeah, so it's it. important to explore some of these, these broader reasons about why you might want to do something. Nice. Okay, what's um, the second so one? The, Go ahead. What's the second one? You said you have four. The second so what's one. The second? I was getting to the second one. So the first one is who we are. And then the second one is who we serve. And this is really important because we oh, call this the yes. age of the customer, which means in order to provide something that's going to be useful for people, you really have to understand who your customers are and what they care about. And not just in a market segmentation kind of way, but in actually going out and talking with them and understanding what they're about kind of way. Because just as you've got your own why, your your purpose, um, and your values, your customers do too. And so often when we're talking with them, we talk with them on a much more superficial level about what their requirements might be for, for a particular project or something, rather than 
talking about who they are as people and why they're doing what they're doing and what it is that they care about and what their context is. So I think that that second who we serve the, um, will give great insights into and, who nice. your customers are. And also, it's always, for me, it's always been, um, especially in the organizations that I've run, a big driver. Like what's, I find it one of the most fun places to start because when you identify a customer need and you can find technology that helps serve them and, and meet that need, that's pretty cool. That's right. That's right. And that's, um, you know, that's why Apple developed such a big following for example, is because in particular Steve Jobs was able to tap into some some fundamental values of his customers and what they were about, and he really yeah. really got them, which is um, uh, why that became so successful, I believe. I agree, and I I do. I still, and I've said this before, but I, I I love it because it's that thing about we're different. We you know we want to be unique, and then. And then all of us, and I, I include myself in that, we want to be unique and we're standing in line with a thousand other people for the next iPad. <laughs> we're not unique. <laughs> That's right. We're all individuals. It's, it's genius. It's genius. We're still tell, they're still telling that story and we're still buying into it even though we're, we're standing in line or waiting three months because everybody else has bought it first. I know, <laughs> so, I know. But um, it's fantastic. are great, aren't they? What, what yeah. a story for a company that is. That's right. That's right. Okay, so what's the third type of story? The third one is where we're going. So these are stories about um, how things are now. These are stories about inspiring change, how things are now, how things could be in the future, and, and what that journey is going to be like. And this is a this is a bigger overarching story. And again, this is something that I think is marvelous when teams build this themselves instead of having it handed down to them yes. from above. And I find that this can be a real game changer in how people view um, a plan or a strategy. If they're seeing it as a quest or an adventure, as part of this bigger story that they're on, um, then it becomes something inspiring. It becomes something that they can buy into. So, so that's that's the third category, and and it's a it's a big one for me. It's a big one, and I I completely agree. This it's one of the single biggest mistakes in strategic or future planning is is and I I don't care what size company you are if you're if you give some resources and some time you can involve everybody at every level in some way or another. So I completely agree. And, and you know when people are part feel part of the big story, they can tell the big story, and then they're your brand ambassadors. So completely yes, agree. <laughs> okay, what's the fourth one? And the fourth one is about where we've been. So this is about um, this is about learning, and this is about celebrating the successes that you've had for any kind of endeavor or project that you've done. It's about acknowledging what were some of the failures, and without any kind of blame or recrimination, learning from that. And it's about um, having some some war stories, you know, some things where you just really. The times when you didn't think you were going to pull through, and then it turned out that you did. And and these stories about where we've been are really important because I think we we have a tendency just to move from one thing to the next without taking that time to stop and and reflect on where we've been and to learn from it. 
I completely agree. And I, and I actually think that, um, that one of the big gifts that technology gives uh, the rest of the company and the IT department gives the rest of the company is an ability to understand, you know, failure and, and how to keep going because that's the nature of technology. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge gift to the rest of the company. So thank you, Patricia. It's so great, great to talk about it. <laughs> well, it is. Yeah, it's true, great because failure reports, you know, all that kind of stuff. If you're not willing to fail, if you, you, then you're not. If you and if you haven't failed, then you haven't done enough things. And we we tend to want to hide our failures and not talk about them. And I understand that you might not want to broadcast them quite as loudly as you broadcast your successes. That's right. But if we can create a culture where we can just examine our failures and acknowledge them. Um, then we can we can learn so much and we can become much more resilient as an organization Completely. and as people. Completely agree. Thank you so much, Patricia. This was a wonderful conversation. Thanks, Leanne. I've really enjoyed it. Yes. And so now don't forget, you can buy Patricia's book, Make It Matter at Amazon, or you can check out her website at patriciamcmillan.com. And next week, we'll be talking to Kim Whitecamp. She's an international storyteller and speaker who brings the funny to story. Um, don't forget to come and be my story friend in the storypower.institute. Story Power is on every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks so much for joining me, Leanne Pico and Story Powered. I'll see you next week with more story. Thank you for joining us this week for Story Powered. Leanne Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help take your story and your business to the next level. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.